Jonah and chapter 1, verse 1. Everybody find Jonah? It's in there. Page 943 in your Schofield Bible. Can't find that. It's right after Obadiah. If you find Obadiah, you won't have any problem. Okay. Let's see. Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, and Jonah in that order. Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I point out the fact that uh, uh, the Lord sent him there to Nineveh. Tarshish was on the coast of Spain, was uh, on the other side of the Mediterranean Sea. And notice the times. It said he went down. He went down to Joppa. He went down into the ship. And the Lord, but the Lord, said, verse 3, but Jonah rose up. Here it said, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. And there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down, there he is again, down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, old sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If it be so that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? Whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? Boy, they were full of questions, weren't they? And uh, Jonah answers them. He said unto them, I am an Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Well, this was different than the gods they knew about. This was the Creator. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, What hast thou done? Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not. For the sea roared and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, uh, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah, cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord 
and made vows. So some good came out of it, didn't it? I mean, they were calling on their gods, but now they're calling on the true God. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you, blessed Lord, for another privilege to preach your word. And, oh God, I realize that without your touch tonight that I can do nothing. Lord, I just pray that you would help me to be a blessing to the people and give me wisdom, O oh God, uh, as I bring the message tonight. I just ask, Lord, that you'd uh, use me for your glory in the, in the message. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is uh, uh, one of the most uh, denied stories in the Bible, the story of Jonah. Uh, and uh, the whale. Some preachers say it wasn't a whale. Well, they need to read the book of Matthew. Jesus said it was a whale. And I realize it said here it was a great fish. But Jesus, referring to it, said it was, uh, was a whale. One preacher said if the Bible had said that Jonah swallowed the whale, he'd have believed that. Well, I would too. If that's what God said. He could have given him a belly big enough to hold it. And uh, so... I believe this. Uh, this is, was a reality. I believe the story is real. I don't believe it's a, a made-up story. And I believe certainly it was a miracle of God, uh, the story of Jonah. In fact, Jesus referred to it. He testified to, his, uh, uh, to its uh, authenticity, if I can get the word out. And uh, uh, it was a type of his burial and resurrection because he said as Jonas was three days and three nights in the belly of of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That's why I pointed out last week that Jesus was not crucified on Friday because you cannot get three days and three nights between Friday and, and Sunday to save your life. Uh, he was crucified on Wednesday. You have Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night. And you have Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, three full nights, three full days. And the Bible said in Mark that Jesus arose early the first day of the week. And the first day of the week began at sundown on Saturday night. So Jesus really arose what we call Saturday evening, Saturday night. Uh, but Jesus testified to the reality of this story. Jonah was a prophet of God. You read about his, another prophecy he gave there in, in the book of Kings that the Lord fulfilled. And here the Lord speaks to Jonah and gives him a commandment, gives him a, a job to do, and he tells him to go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it because of their wickedness. Now this is a, a commission that God's given to every preacher of the gospel, is to cry out against sin. The Bible tells us uh, uh, in, in Isaiah, I believe it is, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their sin. Not much of that going on, not, as, not nearly as much as needs to be. Uh, but uh, here was the commission of Jonah. I want you to go preach to Nineveh because of their wickedness. Now, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And you need to understand that and understand why Jonah was reluctant to go. After all, Jonah was a prophet. That's what God had called him to do. And you know, anybody that's been called to preach, uh, you don't have to, uh, you know, prime too much to get them to preach. 
And uh, here's Jonah, and he has an opportunity to preach, and he don't want to go. Now, why? I think in the fact that uh, of, of what Nineveh was, it was the capital of Assyria, and Assyria was the bitter enemies of Jonah's people. And I think, frankly, that Jonah didn't care where God killed him or not. <laughs> in fact, I think that's brought out in chapter 4. And, and I really don't believe that Jonah wanted them to get right. And this explains uh, why he was reluctant to go in the first place. Now, this city was situated on the Tigris River, uh, and uh, its uh, history tells us it was 64 miles around it, 18 miles long, 14 miles wide. It had walls 100 feet high, broad enough for three chariots to drive abreast, had 1,500 towers. This was quite a city. In that day, it would be quite a city in today's world. Uh, so uh, there was a lot of people lived there, 120,000. Chapter 4 tells us. And uh, so Jonah had this great opportunity to go there and preach. But Jonah didn't want to go. Jonah had other ideas. Jonah went down to, to Joppa there, which is located near the, uh, the modern city of Tel Aviv. And he got him a ticket uh, to go on the other direction. Now notice there's three times it tells us. Here in verse 3, it said, Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof. Went down into it to go with him into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Then verse 10 then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, what has, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Now Jonah had the funny idea that he could get away from God. You know, some people, they, they get back set on the Lord. You know what the first thing they'll do? They quit church. Well, you know, you can't get away from God like that. I mean, the Lord, I tried that. I got back said one time, got out of fellowship with God, and I thought I could get away from the Lord. But you know, everywhere I went, the Lord is already there. And uh, you can't get away from the Lord. He knows where you're at. And uh, so, uh, but Jonah bought his ticket, uh, went down there into the ship, went asleep. You know, you think of a man like this, a man out of the will of God, <laughs> Uh, uh, a man that's, uh, that's uh, away from the Lord and he's asleep unaware of the situation. But God knows where he's at. The Bible said the Lord sent a great wind. God knew where Jonah was at. Jonah couldn't get away from God. He's everywhere present, omnipresent. And uh, the Lord's everywhere. And so uh, the Lord sends the wind. And of course the uh, the fellows that are selling this vessel, uh, they cast out uh, uh, the cargo that they're carrying, but they can't control this wind. This is a wind from the Lord. And I'll tell you, when God gets on your trail, you can't get away from it. And here uh, they begin to cry to their God, and of course their gods, and, and their gods can't hear them. And they find old Jonah down there asleep. They go wake him up and Question him about it. And uh, he begins to tell them the story. 
and tells them why the storm has come. Jonah knows, doesn't he? You know, when we get out of fellowship with God and God begins to send chastisement their way, uh, you know, we don't have to have a lawyer to find out what, what our trouble is. We know. We know what's like the, uh, the person that came to the preacher and said, I think I've sinned, but I, can't, I don't know what it is. Preacher told him, said, well, let's get on your knees and guess at it. Said they guessed the first time. And the fact of the matter is they knew all the time what the problem was. And so Jonah knew. And unlike some of us sometimes, he admits his problem. He said, the storm is because of me that there's the storm. I've, I've, I've tried to get away from the presence of the Lord, and the storm is all my fault. They said, what can we do? He said, throw me out in the sea. And uh, they tried, of course, uh, to row uh, to land and get to land without doing that. But uh, they could not, uh, could not uh, overcome the storm. So they throw Jonah overboard, and uh, the Bible said the Lord prepared a great fish. God prepared the wind. God sent the wind. And now God sends the fish. Someone said the fish was following the boat. <laughs> I don't know where, where the fish was or not. And I'll tell you, when Jonah, uh, no, uh, when Jonah hit the water, the, the, the fish had him. The whale had him. And uh, Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Again, a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In chapter 2, uh, he, if you want to find out what hell's like, read chapter 2. And you'll come away. In fact, that's the message I preach along that line. Not exclusively of that, but I describe in chapter 2 uh, what hell's like. There's a lot of things in this chapter about hell that you don't find anywhere else in the Bible. And, uh, but anyway, Jonah was there three days and nights in the belly of the fish. And uh, uh, he comes to some con conclusions there. And he remembers the Lord. And uh, the, in verse 9, he said, salvation is of the Lord. And how true that is. Uh, personal salvation is of the Lord. Deliverance is of the Lord, as we mentioned this morning. And, uh, you know, some of these... Preachers that preach works for salvation, I like to pitch them out in the ocean and have them spend three days and nights in the belly of, uh, of, of the great fish. And, and when they got out of there, they, they wouldn't believe that anymore. Uh, but uh, the Lord speaks unto the fish, and he vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. I'll tell you, Jonah was the back city, made the fish sick. <laughs> and so uh, the fish vomits him out. And in chapter 3, the word of the Lord came into John the second time. Aren't you glad God's the God of a second chance? And uh, thank God he dealt with me more than once about getting saved. And he dealt with me more than once about preaching. <laughs> I'm glad of that. In fact, he dealt with me more than two times. Probably more than 20 times. I don't know how many he dealt with me a bunch. And uh, the Lord again speaks to Jonah and said, Go to Nineveh. That great city and preaching it, the preaching that I bid thee. He said, I don't want you just to go, but I want you to go preach what I tell you to preach. I don't want you to go preach what they want to hear. I want you to preach what I tell you to preach. That's what Paul told Timothy. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season, reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. He says you preach the word. Whether they like it or don't like it. 
Preach it anyway. And that's the commission that God gives. And so Jonah rose and went in Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And I'll tell you, uh, he, uh, he didn't uh, run off in the other direction. He went uh, in obedience to the command of God. And it said here that Nineveh uh, was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. Some say that it meant it was three days' journey to get through the city and uh, preach the message. Uh, others believe that uh, it, took, it took normally three days to get there, and he made it in one. Well, I don't know. Uh, I, but anyway, he began to enter into the city a day's journey, and this is what he cried. Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. An eight-word sermon. Boy, nothing complicated, nothing homiletical uh, about, about that sermon. I'll tell you, he had a message from God, though. Someone said he was bleached out white and had seaweed hanging around his neck. Uh, I don't know whether that's true or not. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I'll tell you one thing. He had an impact upon that city. And uh, uh, from the king on down, they proclaim a fast. They begin to pray and cry to God and begin to repent. And God uh, turns from the fierceness of his anger. And uh, what does Jonah do? It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. <laughs> I read that, and I thought, what kind of a preacher is this? I mean, a whole city gets right with God, and he's mad. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, any evangelist would like to have this kind of statistics, wouldn't he? like to go back and say, I'll tell you, went over the city, and the whole city repented. The king got down off his throne and put on sackcloth and ashes, and got down and began to pray, and the whole city got right with God, 120,000 of them. Why, you, you talk about news, not Jonah. No, he didn't want him to get it right. <laughs> he preached, he preached, and uh, he preached not expecting any results. He was very angry, the Bible said. It displeased him exceedingly. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray to the Lord, was not this my saying? When I was yet in my country, therefore I fled before Natasha's. I knew thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentance to thee. Aren't you glad of that verse? Thank God tonight. He's gracious and merciful and long-suffering. And if it wasn't for that, we'd all be in hell tonight. And Jonah said, I knew what you was like. I knew you was gracious. I knew you would not destroy him. I knew if they repented, you would spare him. I knew it all the time. That's the reason I didn't want to go. Basically said, I didn't want him to get right with God. I didn't want him to get saved. I wanted him to go to hell. Strange preacher, wasn't he? But remember, I mean, they were enemies of God's people. They were enemies of Israel, and, and uh, they were slaughtering Israel, and Jonah, uh, Jonah was mad about it. And he said, I want you to take my life. And the Lord said, do you well to be angry? Jonah said, I sure am, you know. I have a right to be angry. I mean, I preached the old right, right with God. <laughs> and I'm mad. And so he goes out and sits on the side of the hill and, and uh, sees what God's going to do. And uh, we have another thing. The Lord prepared the fish and now he prepares the gourd in verse 6 comes up over Jonah, makes a shadow over his head, and Jonah's glad. 
uh, for the gourd. And then God prepares the worm and uh, uh, eats the, you know, devours the gourd there and uh, smites it and it withers. And uh, then the Bible said in verse 8 that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said it's better for me to die than to live. Well, he probably bald-headed, I don't know, but I'll tell you, he was, he was in quite a predicament. And uh, God uses this to teach him a lesson. And he said, you're angry for the gourd. And he said, well, yes, I'm angry. And he said, you had pity on the gourd. You didn't do anything for it. It, it, it came up. You didn't plant it. You didn't cultivate it. It came up in the night and shaded your head. And then the worm devoured it. And you know there's people in this country, there's a practical lesson here, there's people in this country who are more concerned about a tree than they are about the souls of men. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, for, I'm not for pollution and destroying uh, the air we breathe and the good water and all. I think that, that's, that ought to be taken care of. But, uh, uh, you know, there's more concern sometimes for, for, for that sort of thing than there is the, the life of babies, for instance. And I think of all the, the sorrow and the sadness about this tragedy in Oklahoma City and, and the picture that's been shown of, uh, of the, uh, uh, the fireman or the policeman there has the little dead baby in the arms, and uh, rightly so. But I think of who's grieving over the thousands that are killed and slaughtered every day in the abortion mills of this country. Where's the grief for them? And, uh, but anyway, uh, Jonah, uh, Jonah is angry, and the Lord said, Shall not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between the right hand and the left hand, and also much cattle? You know, this, this gives us a little look into the, into the character and the nature of God. Aren't you glad that He's merciful and gracious? And I don't care how bad a sinner you are, thank God He's willing to forgive and pity and have mercy. And so Jonah, Jonah, the wrong place, saints where they ought to be. He had no business out there in the ship. He had no business in the belly of the fish. He had no business out there praying to die, out there, uh, you know, being angry because they got right with God. And so uh, this is a lesson for us. Well, let's move on if we can. And, and I want to share a couple more if I have time. In Matthew chapter 11, we have one of the greatest men that's ever lived on, uh, upon the face of this earth, a man by the name of John the Baptist. The Lord testified himself among those that are born of women, there's not risen a greater than John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 11, and uh, let me read a few verses here. The Bible said uh, in, in verse 2, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto them, Are thy he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel uh, preached unto them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended to me, you remember John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. He was a miracle baby, uh, not in the same sense of Jesus. Jesus was supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
John was not. But John was given to Elizabeth and Zacharias in their old age, and Elizabeth was barren. And so he was a miracle baby, and he was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ, preparing the way for the Messiah. And one day Jesus came to him as he was baptizing, and uh, there John baptized the Lord Jesus uh, in, in the Jordan River. A dove came, the Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove and a voice from heaven. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And John said, I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. And he gave testimony. This is the Messiah. And his own disciples went, after, went out and followed Jesus. But now, and he said he must increase, but I must decrease. But now John has been thrown in prison. And, of course, it was at this time that, uh, uh, you know, Herod had took his brother Philip's wife and uh, her daughter had danced before Herod and, uh, of course, had pleased him and said, Ask what I shall give you to the half of the kingdom. And her old wicked mother said, Ask the head of John the Baptist because he had preached against their adulterous affair and they didn't like it. And uh, John there is in prison and John is facing death, and John hears about Jesus. And he said, are you he that should come, or do we look for another? I've heard preachers try to explain this way and, and try to excuse it, but I'll tell you, uh, John is, uh, is having a struggle there. And, uh, you know, uh, here he is doubting. And uh, the Lord says, you go back and show John what you see and hear. He said, the blind receive their sight, the lame are walking, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. You go tell John, and that'll convince him. I'll tell you, no one else could do that. None of these modern-day healers can do that. You know, if they could do all they claim they can do, I'd like to take them visiting with me one of these weeks. I'll tell you, there's some people I visit, I'd like to see what they can do. Some of these dear saints of God in the nursing home, some of them don't even know their family and, uh, uh, you know, have other ailments and other concerns. I like to take them with me and say, see what you can do with this case. But see, they won't do that because they can't put that on television. But I'll tell you, Jesus Christ, he could do, he could do anything. He could cleanse the leper. He could open the eyes of the blind. He could cause the lame to walk. He could raise the dead. And a man that had been dead for four days, he could raise him up. Jesus could do that. And John realized nobody else could do that. And he realized that this is the one that the prophets had prophesied of. And uh, so God uses him uh, there, uh, or uses these, uh, these messengers, I believe, to bring peace uh, to, to old John the Baptist. Uh, heart there. Then I want us to look at one other in Luke chapter 22 and this is a, uh, a familiar story uh, in Luke uh, chapter 22. You know I like Peter. I know Peter gets a lot of criticism but I'm looking forward to meeting Peter. I think he's so much like us. Yeah. And uh, Peter is always sticking his foot in his mouth, sometimes both feet. And, uh, uh, but Peter there I believe loved God. I really do. And uh, the Lord, of course, gets the disciples together and foretelling uh, his death and all. 
and uh, he tells them they'll all be offended and they'll all flee from him. And, and uh, uh, you know, Peter said, not me. Though all, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. You know, it's easy to say that uh, when you're not in jail. Uh, you know, I, I visited this new prison they've built uh, one day. And uh, uh, compared to prisons of the past, it's pretty nice. But I tell you, I don't care how nice it is, I don't want to go. I mean, I just don't want to be locked up. I tell you, losing your freedom. Freedom is a precious thing. And uh, that's one thing you don't have there. They tell you when to go up, when to, go, when to get up, when to go to sleep, what to eat, and when to eat. And, and uh, you don't have any freedom at all. All your freedoms are gone. And that's the worst thing about it. But people say, I'll go to prison. I'll go to death. That's what Peter said. And the Lord said before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. Not only will you not go to prison with me, and you'll not die with me, but you'll deny that you even know me. I appreciate the opening Brother Thomason gave today. I'll tell you, we're, all of us, except by the grace of God, we're capable of, of, of any sin that anyone else has committed. And uh, pride goeth before destruction, the Holy Spirit before a fall. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. I've seen people criticize others and run down others during their time of trial, and it wasn't long till they, they were going through the same trial or a similar trial, and they make a bigger mess than that person made. We don't know what we'll do. And Peter there, of course, had not, hadn't been tested, see, and so they take Jesus there and they arrest him and take him and uh, they bring him to the high priest's house in verse 54 and Peter followed afar off. There's a message there, isn't there? He follows afar off. That's when we get in trouble. We need to stay up close to Jesus. I heard it illustrated one time. Someone said when they were growing up, and the dad used to get the hickory tea after him. You know what the hickory tea is? We got whoopings when I was growing up. Not a whipping. A whooping. That's a step above a whipping. That's child abuse. So <laughs> when you think you're going to die. <laughs> but uh, we didn't. And, uh, but uh, anyway, they, they said, you know, I learned my dad would give me a, a whipping or a whooping, whatever it was, and said, if I, if I stood at arm's length, he'd like to kill me. I re then I realized if I got up real close to him, he couldn't hit me nearly as hard. And I thought how that illustrates. Peter follows a fall off. He's not up close anymore, is he? And the Bible said when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down among them, Peter sat down among them. Another mistake. He's with the wrong crowd. He's at the wrong place. He's with the wrong crowd. He sets down in Psalms 1. He talks about uh, there the progression. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Notice, walking, not walking any longer, standing, and then sitting. And that's the way it happens. People get out of fellowship with God, they don't leave one Sunday and say, you know, I think next week I'm on a backslide. You know anybody does that? 
Don't happen that way, does it? It's a process. And Peter sets down. Sets down. And a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. Now listen. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. It hadn't been very long. He said, I'll go with you to prison unto death. Though all men forsake you, I'll never do it. The Lord said, you'll deny me. He said, I'll not do it. But he did. And then it says, uh, And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after another, confidently affirmed, saying of a truth, This fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. Now notice about the space of one hour. You know, when you start backsliding on God, you think people, when they, when, they, when they made the first mistake, they'd wake up. But that, and that, and that isn't the way it is. He denied the Lord once, and you'd think he'd remember. He'd say, that's what the Lord said. That's what Jesus said I'd do. He thought he'd have come to his senses, but he doesn't. He goes right on. And uh, uh, in fact, one of the accounts, he said Peter began to curse and to swear. I tell you, I, listen, you read, I, I read the Bible, and I read, Peter, he was with the Lord during this, about the three years of his ministry there. He saw the miracles. He heard the preaching. He was there. He saw it with his very eyes. You mean that could happen to a man? He curses and swears and said, I don't know him. What a tragedy. And the cock crows. And what happens? And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered. Now he remembers the word of the Lord. How he had said unto him before the cock crow, Thy shall deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. I'll tell you, old Peter got right with God. He went out and wept bitterly. I mean, it wasn't any crocodile tears. I'll tell you, old Peter got his heart broke. Jesus looks at him. He don't have to say anything. He looks at him, and Peter remembers. He remembers what the Lord said. He remembered the word of the Lord. And that's what you have to do, you know, to get right with God. You've got to remember what? Remember the word of the Lord. And Peter goes out and weeps bitterly. Now listen, Peter had a, he had a terrible fall because one thing that caused him to fall, he was in the wrong place. Talking about saints where they shouldn't be. He had no business being there. If he hadn't been there, he wouldn't have fallen into this predicament. He found himself in the wrong place. But you know, there's a blessing about Peter. Just as Peter committed terrible sin and just as Peter fell, thank God Peter was revived. And a person can, a person can get out of fellowship with God and can sin and get back to the Lord, but thank God they can be restored. Aren't you glad of that? Amen. 
David committed adultery. David had a man killed, and God restored him. He restored him. And in Psalm 51, if you want to find true repentance, you read Psalm 51. I'll tell you, old David tells us what real repentance is all about. And old Peter repented. I'll tell you, he went out and wept bitterly. And uh, after the resurrection of Christ, there's one of the, one of the gospel accounts there. Uh, the Lord gives the message and he said, Go tell my disciples and Peter. That's interesting. Because I think, I think if they just went and said to the disciples, The Lord has risen from the dead. And Peter, he'd have thought, he, You know, he can't mean for me to see him. He don't want me to meet him. Tell him to meet me in Galilee. He don't want me to be there. Not after what I've done. I told him I'd go with him to prison and to death. And I denied him three times. And I cursed and swore and said, I don't even know him. And I remember his look when I'd done that. But the Lord said, you go tell the disciples and Peter. <laughs> you tell Peter, I mean him too. I want him to be there. And then you have the conversation in John with Peter. And uh, he said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And the Lord is using, if you, if you study that out, the Lord is using the agape love, the, 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 the God-like love. And Peter answers with a different kind of, a different word. It's, it's, it's a, a love, kind of a friendship love. And I think what Peter is saying Lord, you know I don't love you like that. And I think Peter in his heart, if I, if I loved you like that, I wouldn't have denied you. You know I don't love you like that. You know I love you as a friend. That's about all I, I can say. I love you like that. And the conversation, the second time he asked him, and he answers the same way. And the third time, then the Lord uses the friendship type love word. And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know all things, and you know I love you but I don't love you with that God-like love. But I think Peter learned to love the Lord like that because on the day of Pentecost, you know, it tells me something about God. Who was it that preached? <laughs> I mean, no cussing, swearing Peter. <laughs> Aren't you glad he's a God of the second chance? He's a God of forgiveness. And compassion, just like old Jonah said, I know you're a gracious God and you're a merciful God and you're long-suffering. I know what you're like. And so old Peter gets up and preaches and 3,000 get saved. Pretty good for an old backslider, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty good results. Preaches again, 5,000 get saved. What a preacher. And... Uh, God greatly uses Peter there uh, in, in, a, in a mighty way. And uh, as Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles, Peter seemed to be the apostle, the primary apostle to the Jews. And how God used him and how God blessed him. And I'm glad we have a Lord like that. God's put up with me so much, and I failed him so many times, but he hasn't cast me away and said, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. You've sinned, and I'm not going to forgive you, and I'm through with you. No, we have it illustrated in Jonah there. We have it illustrated in Peter. Uh, we have the illustration that if we'll get honest with God and come clean with God, He'll forgive us over and over and over again Amen. and restore us 
and use us for His glory. I'm so glad of that. Well, I hope we've learned from these stories some things that will help us. Let's bow our heads, please.